Hello everyone and welcome to the latest podcast from Totem. My name is Mark Smith. And I am Helen Fruin. And together we are... Totem Talks. Oh, I thought you were going to go for Wild Stallions. Oh, that would have been much better. We should do it again. Wild Stallions! (laughs) (laughs) They are making a comeback. And for anybody who doesn't get the Wild Stallions reference... Go and watch Bill and Ted. Please, go and watch And connect with the 1990s. Yes, connect hard. (laughs) Today's podcast is going to cover difficult conversations. I almost forgot the topic of the podcast then. That's a great start. Good start to the day, <laughs> Smithy. Well done. Later we can have a difficult conversation about how you forgot about the difficult yeah, conversations. Yeah, yeah. We can talk That's about, good. you know, preparing perhaps for these podcasts. <laughs> uh, difficult conversations. In what context are these difficult conversations being had? Most contexts, I guess, because that could be, you know, the very traditional sense of giving feedback to a member of staff or asking my boss for a pay rise or having a really tricky negotiation with a supplier, uh, a contractor of some kind. So I guess you've got the kind of business context, but then it's really exactly the same for having difficult conversations with parents, kids, partners, friends. So yeah, we're probably going to talk more about the workplace context in this, but the principles of doing this well apply in every situation. Okay, well, let us begin. Let us begin. Let us begin. What is a difficult conversation? Well, that's an interesting point because I think sometimes what makes the conversation difficult is that we think it's going to be difficult and we get all of this anxiety building up and like, oh, I've got to have this difficult conversation. What if we didn't think of it in that way? What if we thought of it as an opportunity to clear the air or a chance to be honest with someone, a chance to actually do someone a favor? So often people say, oh, I don't want to say that to them because it will hurt their feelings. And the other person, when they've never been told that before, are like, why didn't someone tell me? The one that people always ask me about on workshops is, what do you do if someone's got a really bad body odour? Like, that's people's worst nightmare, is what would I say if someone in my team smells really bad? Now, I've dealt with that twice in my life. And both times... Well, as, been, as in you had the bad body odour? Oh, thanks for asking. No, unless that's you now telling me that no, that is no, true. No, no, so. Unfortunately, you always smell like roses in this house. So, yeah. Uh, no, where I've had to tell someone that they smell bad. And on both occasions, one occasion someone cried, one occasion they knew about it already. But they were both really grateful that I raised it because it's humiliating, it's embarrassing And so people are grateful when we give them feedback that helps them. And I think that could change our mindset instead of us always talking about difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking Kim Scott's book, Radical Candor. She talks about uh, honest conversations within that and about earning the permission to have those conversations Mm. with people. I think the best example in her book was when you're out for dinner with somebody, and they've got spinach in their teeth, which happens to the best of us. Absolutely. As a mate, you can roll in and say, Oi, mate, you've got spinach in your teeth. And that's perfectly okay. There's no sense of embarrassment when you approach that conversation. Yeah. But if that was your boss, or that was somebody who you'd only just met, perhaps the first date, you would be a little bit nervous. But the idea of going home and finding that you have spinach would in your teeth, be so much worse. Oh, that would be terrible. Like Why I've sat on a first me? date for, what, two hours? With this thing, I would be so embarrassed. So for me, a difficult conversation is is context-driven in terms of right. the relationship that you have with the person in front of you. Yeah. And sometimes you don't feel that you have the permission to be 
as candidly honest as you would like to be, yeah. I, I, I think. Definitely. And I think what that highlights is the importance of building those relationships. So if I want to be able to have a difficult conversation with you, what have I done to earn that right? What have I done to build that trust? And if I think I can just be your boss and two weeks, two years into working with you, I've just earned the right to just come up to you and tell you that your work's not good enough you're going to react badly because I've not built that trust. So it reminds us that as managers, as leaders, as colleagues, friends, partners, parents, kids, we need to build trust with people. We need to build relationships. That has to be the fundamental starting point to any of this. So how do you build a trusting relationship with a work colleague? Mm. Um, I barely build trusting relationships with my friends, let alone my work colleagues. So what so advice? So that's completely untrue. You build very good trusted relationships oh, with your friends. Oh, God bless you. No, no, no. This is no like fluffy compliment because I can tell you exactly how you do it. Oh, exciting. You share vulnerability. So all of the research on vulnerability, courage, building trust shows that when someone goes first, when someone says, you know what, I'm going to tell you something about me that I find quite difficult. Other people go, oh my gosh, he's so brave. Mm. And then because you've been brave it makes the other person feel like they can be open as well. And so that's what builds trust. And that's what you do in bucket loads. You're so open with people about what you find difficult, what your aspirations are, where you've been disappointed that aspirations haven't come about. And that builds that trust. So that's a great starting point. And I think for, for anybody listening, what drives that vulnerability is not courage or anything daft like that. It's, it's, it's actually frustration. So I, I sit on and go to many meetings and committee meetings and I am frustrated that when somebody asks a question, the room goes quiet for right. the first 30 seconds. And for some people, that's them processing their thoughts and that's absolutely fine. I'm down with that. But for a lot of people, it's the, that awkward feeling. And so I, I've just, through frustration, I've got to the, well, I'm going to say something and I'm happy to look stupid. So because I know I'm not, I just plow in and we'll say something uh, candid, honest, vulnerable, whatever it takes. Um, so it's not like it's an altruistic kind of thing that's driving that vulnerability. Sure. It is actually frustration. And so it may be useful for a listener if just turn those, turn <laughs> those feelings into something useful and uh, get it done. And it's interesting because there's so much as well about fear of speaking up, fear of looking silly, fear of saying something that your boss didn't want to hear. So when you talk about being in those meetings and not really wanting or other people not wanting to speak up, that's something most of us have experienced. Um, so there's probably another podcast in there. Mm. <laughs> speaking up in meetings, what to do when people don't. Um, but I do think that, I mean, I don't want to take those off topic too far, mm. but there is there is some very good stuff on our website about this, about building your own personal brand with the people right. around you. And that sense of being known for, for having these honest conversations and being the one who goes first, it's really quite good for your personal branding Yeah. Um, in terms of your credibility, uh, some of the trust you're going to develop with your colleagues as well. And it's undoubtedly helpful in almost any environment that you're in, particularly if you're in a family environment, mm. I'm often seen as the one who will just say what needs to be said. Right. And whilst that is a, a horrible mantle to have to bear sometimes, <laughs> um, it, it does give me a, a great deal of, uh, influence is the wrong word, because mm. it, it, it's not that I've, I'm using 
using it maliciously, but in terms of people coming to me and being able to share uh, and to confide for me to then delicately go out into the wider family and to have discreet conversations, but painfully honest conversations, yeah. it is quite um, a useful part of my branding amongst my family in that sense. Absolutely. And I think what's also interesting in that is the piece about other people's expectations are then set that you will have those honest conversations with them. So people expect me to be honest with them. People expect you to be honest with them because that is part of our brand. And the other then part to this, so so, so far we're kind of talking about having the difficult conversation and there's tons of stuff out there. I'm indeed writing a book on it at the moment on how to have those difficult conversations. But often the thing we're most concerned about is the other person's reaction. So let me tell you a story because it's just the most powerful way to make this point. Uh, I once gave somebody in my team some feedback. Um, well, actually, it wasn't really feedback at all. In fact, I, I hadn't clocked this as a difficult conversation. I was simply asking, uh, could you please mentor or could you please observe a junior colleague doing some work and give her some feedback on how she's doing? And this member of my team looked, you know, face dropped. You don't pay me enough for that, she said. And I was just completely thrown. Like, what? How, what's that got to do with anything? I, I didn't know your pay was an issue. Was so when somebody gets defensive or upset in a conversation, our natural reaction is to completely withdraw, panic, not know what to say, and really what is the best opportunity in that moment is to listen and to ask questions. Now, it took a fair amount of time for me to unpick what was really going on there by asking her, you know, I actually said to her, I'm quite surprised by that reaction. Can you tell me about what you're thinking? Can you tell me what it is that's upset you here? You seem like you're upset. Tell me about it. Um, so she started talking. She started saying what she was uncomfortable with. And evidently, it was nothing to do with her pay. It was about the fact that she did not want to be a people manager. She'd been a people mm. manager before. She didn't like management. And what she thought I was leading towards by her kind of mentoring or observing this junior colleague was, will you be her boss? Right. Which she absolutely did not want. So if I'd have got defensive back and said, yes, I do pay you enough or shut up and get on with your job the relationship would have broken down it, nothing good would have come from that or if I'd have let her off the hook and said oh no don't worry you seem like you're upset about this I won't ask you to do it anymore I'd have completely not known what was going on whereas now here we're having this honest conversation and now I know what she likes what she doesn't like great so we panic about the other person's reaction but if we can respond to that reaction by asking questions, listening, or if the person's got really upset, giving both permission to take a break and saying, you know, why don't we take 10 minutes, come back to this in a bit. Um, so there's something huge here about being comfortable with not knowing how someone might react and taking the time to respond well to that. Mm. And uh, There is a, a degree of self-awareness that you need to have and mindfulness about your reaction within that situation that doesn't come naturally to too many people um but i i share that i mean i i one of my harder um employees to manage um i was terrified of having a very difficult performance conversation right. with him and it took all of my mental effort to 
just recognised that I was having that reaction. Right. But once I'd got that reaction in a box and I'd defined it and said, okay, I understand why I'm having this reaction, it's going to run concurrently with my conversation, but it's not going to drive the conversation. Right. And so managing your own reaction to the potential upset that you're about to cause is, for me, probably the key Mm. to having a difficult conversation with somebody um, because it takes two people to tango. And if you are not in control of your own stuff, yeah, um, it will spiral out into the into the horror of a conversation <laughs> that you're imagining. And right, one of you has to be the adult in the conversation, if if that makes sense. Yeah, um, there is obviously some transactional analysis stuff in there, so always trying to keep the conversation adult to adult. But you can't you can't manage the other person. You can't manage their reactions, and that is a step too far. You're lucky if you can manage your own reactions. Absolutely. So manage yourself first and then look to the second. And I love the way you've put that about um, putting that in a box or or kind of labelling what that is because so often we go into an emotional situation without acknowledging our emotions. And so to say, gosh, I'm feeling really anxious about this and I recognise that anxiety. I don't want to let that lead the conversation. So uh, even the mindset shift of thinking... Um, you know, it's actually excitement doesn't sound like the right word, but you know, performance excitement is really useful. Performance anxiety is really useful. So rather than seeing it as, oh, no, I'm nervous. That means I'm going to be useless in this conversation. Good. I've got a bit of performance anxiety. It's going to help me be focused. Now, how do I make sure that doesn't lead to this spiraling out of a stupid conversation? It's a really good point. So now we've kissed each other's cheeks and said all of these wonderful things. Actually, I think a good example of for people to hear might be where we've had an absolute terrible time disagreeing with one another. I'm trying to think of an appropriate one that we can share on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it might be good to, to, to talk through how you come out of the other side right. of a very bad conversation because... It takes practice yeah. to get difficult conversations to a place where you're not having to worry about them or you're doing them well. Yeah. To reconcile yourself with a colleague or a family member actually is something you're going to have to do whilst you're getting better at these conversations. So yeah. any hints or tips for the reconciliation part of a difficult conversation that has gone badly? So I think there's two things I want to pick out here. One is absolutely, uh, let's talk about an example where things haven't worked well between us and how we've then resolved it. And also then having the conversation about how we have conversations. I know that sounds a bit ridiculous. Like, let's have a meeting about meetings. But sometimes a meeting about meetings is what's needed to make sure those meetings are most effective. And it's exactly the same with difficult conversations. So if I go back to the person who said, you don't pay me enough... A conversation I had with her many times after that was how do we have conversations in a better way? Because when you lash out like that, one, I don't think that's very professional. Two, it makes me feel quite uncomfortable. You're clearly upset. How can we have these conversations in a better way? And helping to build our team members' skills in doing the piece that you've described as sort of managing the emotional responses to things. Mm. So that's part of this is having a conversation about how we have conversations. To come back to your question about when have we had a particularly bad conversation, I guess an example for me, uh, albeit an old one now, it's probably about 10, 11 years ago, 
it was quite new in our working relationship and I think we hadn't quite worked out how to give each other feedback on our work without that being seen as more of a personal attack. Mm. And so I remember one particular time when I was picking up on errors that you'd made in a document and you were clearly getting upset. I was getting frustrated because you weren't making improvements and then you were getting more frustrated because it kind of felt like I was patronizing you. Like, how are you so silly that you can't get this right? So it became a bit like you say, the spiraling of just really unhelpful conversations. And what I think was so powerful in that was both kind of coming back to what what do we have in common here? What's our common ground? Our common ground is we want to deliver the best thing we can for our customers. So who's the customer? What's the best thing for them? How can we do this? That was like a short term thing that helped us to focus on just getting the job done. I think after that and after a bit more emotional conversation, it was about coming back to the basics of do we believe in each other's abilities to do a good job? Do we like working with each other? If those two things are true, then let's start working from that basis Mm. rather than assuming each other think the other one is stupid Mm. or think the other one is incapable or incompetent. Because I think that it's those assumptions of intentions or assumptions of beliefs that get us so messed up in difficult conversations. And so if we can move past that to come back to what we do believe in or what are more positive intentions that's what makes a huge difference Mm. i do think this comes back to the self-awareness and mindfulness piece again though yeah um unbelievably i am not a i am not a complete finisher and i have got a blind spot for commas apostrophes and full stops and this winds helen up something (laughs) chronic but that's not my job right it's your job to pass the finished product onto the client and you are exceptionally good at proofreading polishing and just making sure that the client is really happy i'm not sure about exceptionally good you always miss some things but yeah let's go with better than you that's fine. better than me (laughs) and so there's a sense there that actually i know that i'm terrible at this so why am i it's not you know why am i doing it strengths absolutely yeah so if but then that adds a, a degree of responsibility. So if I am working to my strengths and I and I do a bad job, then absolutely I should cop a lot of flack for that because it's within my department to make sure that it was done well in the first place. There are a few things that are sort of grey areas where we're like, well, whose job is that? Then I... <laughs> Who dropped the ball? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> whose fault was that? Um But yeah, it's not about fault finding. It's about looking at each other's strengths and and development areas. Uh, Although I think Jung had an issue with development areas. Um, Is that right? Oh gosh, that's a whole other... uh, If you talk about development areas as uh, there's there's this skill area that I'm good at, this skill area I need to develop. If we spend all of our time focused on our development areas we're going to neglect our strengths and fall over. Mm. Sometimes your development areas are linked to sort of the shadow self. There's the Jungian piece coming in. Whole other podcast in that. Whole, yeah, well, that's uh, a lengthy one, yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, let, let's talk about strengths and development areas. Nothing wrong with talking about that. Mm. And which means I've completely lost the flow of the podcast. Excellent. How should we get the flow back? 
I think ultimately, if I if I were to summarize the key points of this, it's about facing into those difficult conversations and maybe even reframing the way we think about them. Because straight away, if I'm saying, oh, I need to have a difficult conversation with Bob later, I've called it a difficult conversation. Why don't I think of it differently? Like, oh, it's a good opportunity for me to speak to Bob later because I can get that contract sorted. Or I've got a good opportunity to speak to my mum later because I want to sort out what our plans are for the holidays. What what if we reframe things as good opportunities rather than difficult conversations? Mm. So that's one big thing. The other thing then, as you've described a lot, is self-awareness. Now, self-awareness doesn't come overnight, but choosing to notice how am I feeling? How am I coming across? Am I, I think I'm getting defensive right now. Okay, well then can I notice that? Is it the shirt? (laughs) (laughs) can I notice that and choose to do something different with that reaction and then thirdly have the conversation about how we have conversations so if we find again and again that we're getting into really difficult conversations with people I get this on workshops all the time people say to me there's someone in my team every time I try and give him feedback he blows up in my face well you need to have that conversation with him not just the conversation about his work and this and that and this but the way he's reacting in these conversations because that's not professional it's not acceptable you know they're talking about him banging his fists on the desk and shouting that's not acceptable behavior and so we need to have the conversation about how we have the conversations it seems a long way of saying it but there we go a beautiful summary thank you so much (laughs) let's uh, call it a day And clearly we've just written about four other podcasts into the list that we need to do. Well done. Let's get cracking. Thank you. (laughs) Um, If you're interested in what Helen may have dropped a hint about earlier about the book. Yes, this is exciting. This is exciting time. So the Instagram account is the the vlog slash picture blog of... (laughs) I I don't know how... journey in writing a book. Absolutely. I've got no idea how Instagram works. There's just pictures (laughs) and young people. So yeah... At Helen Fruin, yes, is the uh, is the the tag you need to find. Uh, obviously, YouTube, Spotify, and now we have TuneIn Radio Exciting hosting times. our podcast. Wow! Moving so, whatever platform you're on, follow us there, and yeah. you'll get more of these. Get much more of these. Yay! Have a wonderful day, everybody, and we shall talk to you in about a week's time. Ta-ra! <laughs> Ta-ra!